This is day 183 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be completing Haggai chapters 1 and 2, and then we will complete Zechariah chapters 1 through 3. Lord Heavenly Father, as we enter into your presence this morning, we acknowledge that you are so exalted, that you are high and you are lifted up. You are sovereign over all creation. You are the glory of glories. You are our King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, help us to understand that better. Help us to see that in the reality of every day and every hour, that nothing happens without your permission, that we are allowed to exist because of your will, and everything that happens to us has gone according to your plan. Lord God, you have amazing things planned for us, things that we do not deserve, but we are grateful for them. Lord, please bless this time as we enter into your word. Please teach us today. In Jesus' name, amen. In the second year of Darius the king, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, This people says, The time has not come, even the time for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while the house lies desolate? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much, but harvest little. You eat, but there is not enough to be satisfied. You drink, but there is not enough to become drunk. You put on clothing, but no one is warm enough. And he who earns, earns wages to put into a purse with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring wood, and rebuild the temple, that I may be pleased with it and be glorified says the Lord. You look for much, but behold, it comes to little. When you bring it home, I blow it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house which lies desolate, while each of you runs to his own house. Therefore, because of you, the sky has withheld its dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. I called for a drought on the land, on the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, on the oil, on what the ground produces, on men, on cattle, and on all the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people showed reverence for the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke by the commission of the Lord to the people, saying, I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. On the twenty-fourth day, of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. 
on the twenty-first of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now? Does it not seem to you like nothing in comparison? But now take courage, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Take courage also, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and all you people of the land. Take courage, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. As for the promise which I made you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit is abiding in your midst. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more in a little while I am going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea also and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and they will come with the wealth of all nations, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. On the twenty-fourth day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priests for a ruling. If a man carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and touches bread with this fold, or cooked food, wine, oil, or any other food, will it become holy? And the priests answered, No. Then Haggai said, If anyone who is unclean from a corpse touches any of these, will the latter become unclean? And the priests answered, it will become unclean. Then Haggai said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, declares the Lord, and so is every work of their hands, and what they offer there is unclean. But now, do consider from this day onward, before one stone was placed on another in the temple of the Lord, from that time when one came to a grain heap of twenty measures, there would be only ten. And when one came to a wine vat to draw fifty measures, they would only have twenty. I smote you and every work of your hands with blasting wind, mildew, and hail. Yet you did not come back to me, declares the Lord. Do consider from this day onward, from the twenty-fourth day of the ninth month, from the day when the temple of the Lord was founded, consider, is the seed still in the barn? And even including the wine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, and the olive tree, it has not borne fruit. Yet from this day on, I will bless you. Then the word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the twenty-fourth day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow the thrones of kingdoms, and destroy the power of the kingdoms of the nations. And I will overthrow the chariots and their riders, and the horses and their riders will go down, everyone by the sword of another, 
On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, my servant, declares the Lord, and I will make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah the prophet, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, saying, The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return to me, declares the Lord of hosts, that I may return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets proclaimed, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Return now from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not listen or give heed to me, declares the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But did not my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants the prophets, overtake your fathers? Then they repented and said, as the Lord of hosts purposed to do to us in accordance with our ways and our deeds, so he has dealt with us. On the twenty-fourth day of the eleventh month, which is the month of Shabbat, in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah the prophet, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, as follows. I saw at night, and behold, a man was riding on a red horse and he was standing among the myrtle trees which were in the ravine, with red, sorrel, and white horses behind him. Then I said, My Lord, what are these? And the angel who was speaking with me said to me, I will show you what these are. And the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered and said, These are those whom the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. So they answered the angel of the Lord, who was standing among the myrtle trees, and said, We have patrolled the earth, and behold, all the earth is peaceful and quiet. Then the angel of the Lord said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you have no compassion for Jerusalem and the cities of Judah, with which you have been indignant these seventy years? The Lord answered the angel, who was speaking with me, with gracious words comforting words. So the angel who was speaking with me said to me, Proclaim, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and Zion, but I am very angry with the nations who are at ease, for while I was only a little angry, they furthered the disaster. Therefore, thus says the Lord, I will return to Jerusalem with compassion. My house will be built in it, declares the Lord of hosts, and a measuring line will be stretched over Jerusalem. Again proclaim, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, My cities will again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again comfort Zion and again choose Jerusalem. Then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, there were four horns. So I said to the angel who was speaking with me, What are these? And he answered me, These are the horns which have scattered Judah, Israel, and Jerusalem. 
Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen. I said, What are these coming to do? And he said, These are the horns which have scattered Judah, so that no man lifts up his head. But these craftsmen have come to terrify them, to throw down the horns of the nations who had lifted up their horns against the land of Judah in order to scatter it. Then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a man with a measuring line in his hand. So I said, Where are you going? And he said to me, To measure Jerusalem, to see how wide it is and how long it is. And behold, the angel who was speaking with me was going out, and another angel was coming out to meet him, and said to him, Run, speak to that young man, saying, Jerusalem will be inhabited without walls, because of the fortitude of men and cattle within it. For I, declares the Lord, will be a wall of fire around her, and I will be the glory in her midst. Ho there! Flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord, for I have dispersed you as the four winds of the heavens, declares the Lord. Ho, Zion! Escape, you who are living with the daughter of Babylon! For thus says the Lord of hosts, After glory he has sent me against the nations which plunder you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. For behold, I will wave my hand over them so that they will be plundered for their slaves. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. Sing for joy and be glad, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I am coming and I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. Many nations will join themselves to the Lord in that day, and will become my people. Then I will dwell in your midst, and you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. The Lord will possess Judah as his portion in the Holy Land, and will again choose Jerusalem. Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord for he is aroused from his holy habitation. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments, and standing before the angel. He spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. Again he said to him, See, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and will clothe you with festal robes. Then I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments, while the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, and if you will perform my service, then you will also govern my house, and also have charge of my courts, and I will grant you free access among these who are standing here. Now listen, Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who are sitting in front of you, 
Indeed, they are men who are a symbol. For behold, I am going to bring in my servant, the branch. For behold, the stone that I have set before Joshua, on one stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave an inscription on it, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine and under his fig tree. Congratulations on finishing another book of the Bible. We have finished Haggai, and now we are in Zechariah, the second to last book of the Old Testament. It's amazing the progress that we've made. So let's talk about Haggai a little bit here. So he is somewhere in the reign of King Darius, as we've seen. He is during the second year of King Darius, and he is contemporaries with Zechariah. So they were serving at the same time, and outside of the Bible, this is also the time period where the philosopher Confucius is around at that time as well. That's unrelated to the Bible, but just in case you wanted to know. So what he was doing here is he was addressing specific people to rebuild his temple. So especially he was addressing Zerubbabel, the governor, and Joshua, the high priest. And not only that, but he was also spending time addressing the remnant, which we keep seeing that word. It must mean something, right? Because we know that these are the people chosen by God to worship him and to exalt him as he properly should be. And unfortunately, they are the vast minority, right? Much like a true Christian is also the vast minority. That's just simply the way it is, because most of mankind will be unfaithful to God. And quite frankly, our faith is also from God as well. It doesn't come from us. So in chapter 1 of Haggai, he directs them to fixing the temple. We're not exactly sure why, but it seems like they were dragging their feet in doing it. It took them more than 15 years longer than they should have to finish the house. And so the Lord is encouraging them to fix the house. And why does he care so much? Well, I mean, think of it like this. If the temple is the symbol of God's dominion in Jerusalem, and they have not fixed his house, that shows how little value they put in God's things, right? So really, we need to see it like that as well. How do you value God's house? When I mean his house, I'm talking about his church. How much effort do you put into the church? I see constantly in my time in my church that most people come, fill a seat, and then leave. Most of them do not serve in the church. Usually, even in the business world, this concept works, the 80-20 concept. 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people which means that 80% of the people in your church, more or less, are not really saved. Now, I'm not saying that because you don't serve in the church, you're not saved. That's not what I'm saying. But you will know them by their fruits. And if there is no fruit being born either in the church or outside of it, those are some signs that there's something wrong. So I encourage you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you need to serve in your church. 
Now, I'm not saying you have to take a bunch of responsibility, but God has gifted you with specific talents, and he's given you specific abilities that are unique to you. You have a place in the body of Christ. The body is vast and has multiple parts. Some people are on the front lines. Some people are behind the scenes. Some people do administrative work. Some people do preaching. It's all important. And we are all working together for one common purpose, and that is to see the Lord glorified in this day and his gospel to be spread. So we need to really place importance in the house of our God because it's a reflection of us. And that's the whole point of what's going on here is, you all haven't fixed my temple. This is my place of worship, the place where I should be glorified. And you have put little effort into glorifying me. What's going on, guys? And then so he tasks them to finish the temple. And the very first thing he says in chapter 2 is that some of y'all have seen the original temple. Does it look anything like it used to? No, far from it, right? Well, I need you all to work. Work to make sure that we get it back to its former glory, because I promise you, says the Lord, I will give it even greater glory than it once had. But do not fear. My spirit is abiding in your midst. Doesn't Jesus say that to us as well? If two or three are gathered in my name, I am with you in your midst. This is the same God speaking here. In the same way, if we are doing things in his name, he is with us, just like he is promising the Israelites and the remnant of this day that he is with them in their midst. So after he commissions them to do this and comforts them with knowing that he is there to support them, so then he starts asking questions to the priests. If you have a piece of holy meat in the fold of your garments, and you touch a piece of bread, will that become holy? No. Well, what if you touch an unclean body and then you touch other things? Do those things become unclean? Yes. So what is God trying to tell them with these two questions? Sanctification, or cleanness if you want to call it that, cannot be transferred. But defilement can. Just like health is not contagious, but disease is contagious. You get the point? So what he's trying to say is that the disobedience of his people was like a dead thing in their midst, and it contaminates everything. And yet people who are acting righteously, it's not as infectious. The negativity seems to be more infectious than the positivity. So what he's wanting them to have is clean intentions, clean hands, pure hearts, especially as being priests. They are the leaders of the people. They need to represent God properly so that his standards and his morality can be honored and worshipped. And as appropriate, Haggai finishes his prophecy with a future time, beginning in verse 20 to the end of the chapter. The prophecy is looking ahead to the time when Christ will rule the nations of the world. In Haggai's time, to put it into perspective, the kingdom of Persia ruled over 2 million square miles. You're talking about a little more than 3 million kilometers of territory. That is massive. I can't even imagine what that looks like. You can show me on a map, but even then, that still is boggling to the mind. 
But then he says he's going to overthrow all the pride of the kingdoms of the world, as he has said many times in his future prophecies. But then he declares Zerubbabel to be his signet ring. Why? Well, if you look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ, Jesus is related to Zerubbabel. So in other words, Zerubbabel is a descendant of David. He is from the line of David. And so what he's doing here is he is promising Zerubbabel that through him, the line of David will continue up until the point where we have the Messiah. So he is going to be using Zerubbabel's line in order to further the line of David until the Messiah comes. That is quite the honor. And that ends Haggai. And we go into Zechariah. Now, Zechariah is a very fantastical book because it has a lot of end-time prophecy in here. If you were to say probably the top three prophetic books in the Old Testament, I would say Daniel, Ezekiel, and Zechariah. Zechariah being the third greatest on that one. So the reason why Zechariah has two mentions of family line, there's usually a reason for that in their culture. So it says, Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo. Why do I need to go back to my grandfather's name? Well, usually that happens when you have your father who died when you were young, which means that you are the nearest living successor of your grandfather. So you mentioned Berechiah because Berechiah is your father, but he's no longer alive. So then you go to the grandfather, Edo. That's why it mentions all the way to Edo in his heritage. Now his grandfather, Edo, is also somebody of importance that we've seen because he was a priest who returned from Babylon with Zerubbabel, and according to tradition, he was a member of the Great Synagogue, which is the governing body that predates the Sanhedrin, or the Pharisaic line. Those, the Pharisees hadn't been established yet, and so this Great Synagogue was the governing body before them. So Zechariah is used a lot in the Old Testament, so anytime you've seen the name Zechariah before this is not this prophet. So let's just be clear about that. So the first thing that we see out of Zechariah's prophecy is a strong call to repentance. That's what we see at the very beginning here. What does he say? The Lord was very angry with your fathers. Return to me. And he says that four or five times here. Return to me, return to me return to me, and I will return to you. So he is really wanting to get to the heart of the matter from the very beginning, which is important. The idea is that we need to pay attention to the Word of God, like you see in verses 5 and 6. Return to the Word of God and pay attention to it, because though the prophets will die, what they say will endure. And why does it endure? because it is truly from the Lord, and the Lord is eternal. And the way we know that it is true is like proper prophecy is. It actually comes true. So those, all those warnings that these other prophets had made actually happened. Therefore, their word is trustworthy. That is from the word of the Lord himself. And so he's setting up that standard because 
He's wanting to let them know everything I'm going to tell you is from the Lord too. And the very first thing that comes out of his mouth is some visions. And the first vision that he has is about some horses and some riders. Now, he saw a total of eight visions in one night, which we'll get to eventually, but this is the first one. So unlike in a dream, in the visions, the person is awake. And so in this case, he's having visions. He's awake. He's aware of himself in it. Not like in dreams where we forget what happens or we don't have full control of ourselves in dreams. But this is a vision, completely different. So the very first person we see is called the angel of the Lord. And it must be different from the angel who's interpreting the vision because there seems to be two different people here. And so what we see is that God is sending patrols across the earth, and they're saying that the earth is peaceful. In other words, this isn't a good thing. He's saying that these nations that are against him, that are living in paganism, are flourishing, and they are secure while Israel has been completely downtrodden and destroyed. And God is not satisfied with that. So what he's doing is he's going to punish the nations that were used to punish Israel, which is what we see in verse 15. They went too far in trying to annihilate them. God intended for them to be punished, but they took it way too far. They got bloodlust in a lot of ways, and they just raised everything. And then he sees a vision about some horns. So this is the power of Gentile nations, and the horn is always used to symbolize strength and power. So perhaps we don't know exactly, but the best guesses on what these four horns are are the nations of Assyria, Egypt, Babylon, and Persia, specifically. And why? Because these are the ones that attacked and conquered Israel. And then he mentions some craftsmen. And apparently, these craftsmen are supposed to be peoples or nations that God is going to use in order to overthrow the enemies of Israel. Chapter 2 is a vision about a man with a measuring line. Now, we saw Ezekiel following the Lord with a measuring line through the temple. But this guy is using a measuring line over Jerusalem itself. So this is more of a future prophecy. It's talking about in the future Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, that it will be expanded beyond the walls, the inhabitants will live securely in it, and they will have the personal presence of the Lord in their midst. And then, of course, it talks about the different blessings and things that are going to happen in the millennium for the nation of Israel, for the kingdoms around them, and so on and so forth. And then when you see verses 8 and 9, you see a prophecy about the Messiah, which Zechariah is going to have more prophecies about the Messiah than even perhaps Isaiah. Those are the two that are going to have the most prophecies about the Messiah himself. So it's almost as if Jesus himself is speaking here. It's very interesting because it's he's saying that he is the Lord, but then he's saying that the Lord is sending him. It's very interesting language here, especially when you read between verses 8 and 12. Like it says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, After glory he has sent me against the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye, his most prized possession, the sun. 
For behold, I will wave my hand over them so that they will become plunder for their slaves. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. Capital M, me. That's Christ speaking. I will wave my hand over them and they will become plunder. And you'll see that the Lord Father has sent the Christ. Sing for joy, for I am coming, and I will dwell in your midst. And he quite literally did, didn't he? When he came in the flesh. And he will at the end as well. So very interesting how this works, how it is the Christ speaking here, being God himself, and yet he's also saying that the Lord sent him. So if we don't see it from the vantage point of the Trinity, then it doesn't make a lot of sense, and we can get confused. But this is directly related to messianic words from the messiah himself then we see a vision about joshua the high priest standing in front of god and satan but not just god but it says the angel of the lord and we've seen throughout the old testament who that is the angel of the lord is christ and so we see christ rebuking satan this isn't the last time we're going to see him rebuke satan when he comes in the flesh he's going to rebuke satan plenty and so Satan there is to accuse him, and that's what he does. He always accuses those who are righteous. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Israel has been saved out of the fire of being in captivity for all this time, and now it is time for them to return. So then what we see is filthy garments, and we see that Satan is accusing him of being filthy. Now, what's the big deal about that? Why does Satan care about what clothes he's wearing? So obviously these clothes mean something more than just clothing. Because this clothing here is representative of sin. His sin is filthy. Why is he allowed to serve as a high priest if he is a sinner? So then what Zechariah says is to give him a clean turban. And this is symbolism for reinstating him into the proper priesthood. Because remember what the turban says from the high priest's clothing from back in like Leviticus. It says, holy to the Lord across the front of it in engraved letters. Not only that, but he is saying that the priesthood needs to properly represent God. Because not only are they representing God, but also they are ushering in an example of the Messiah, who is declared here as being my servant, the branch. But not only that, but after it says the branch, then it says the stone that I have set before Joshua, it's talking about Christ again. It is mentioned in the Psalms, for example, that he is the chief cornerstone. So this is also referencing the Messiah. And then it goes to the day of the Lord again in verse 10. In that day, every one of you will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine and under his fig tree. Talking about that there will be peace and security in those days. So we're about halfway through the visions, and we will finish the visions tomorrow, but there are plenty, and again, I don't know everything about these visions, but what I do know, and also what some of the notes in my Bible say, I'm sharing them with you. But beyond that, I'm not going to make guesses that I don't think are right. I'm not going to make guesses that I cannot confirm, because then I don't want to speak lies. And that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.